0: If more of you supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, <America's first>. <laughs> <laughs> blah blah blah, blah, blah. the blah blah Send it out good vibes. blah, good vibes. Blah blah, blah. Good vibes. Blah, blah blah, good vibes. good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths
2: of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that.
0: okay guys welcome back to the grimerica show we are going to be chatting with leslie and stephen shaw a little bit later But their uh, book about aliens and alien abductions and all sort of fun fun stuff like that, you know, it's really more of Graham's like, Graham, what was the book called again?
2: Well, it's called Who They Are and What They're Up To. And that's the thing is they make a conclusion in this book. They're not just saying like, okay, here's all the data you figured out for themselves. They're saying like, it's not aliens. It's, it could, I mean, you could call them aliens, but it's people that are here, like in the earth, in the oceans, like they're, they're like coming up with the, basically like, you know based on their personal experiences and all the stuff they've read, there's, you know, maybe underground cities and bases and in the inner earth. And this isn't like an ET thing. It's more of a inner earth slash interdimensional thing. But they also don't get into portals and stuff a lot. So, Yeah, it's interesting. Not enough, you think? Or? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. All right. You know? well, it, I, th- I think that's connected with the underground stuff. I mean, when you look at... We talked about the underground bases having this, maybe this magnetic anomaly above, like in Skinwalker, these guys have measured this weird magnetic anomaly in these areas. And then there happens to be portals there. So what if that is connected, right?
0: Absolutely. Of course, check the timestamp in the show notes. If you want to skip our lazy rambles and get right to the point, right to the interview, there's always a timestamp in the show notes. Other than that, uh, Merry Christmas, I guess, is our day after Christmas episode. We didn't come out on Christmas because I don't know who wants to work on Christmas. Yeah. does it
2: no agenda guys work on Christmas? Well, it's mainly because who's going to listen on Christmas, too? I mean, it's not like, you know, maybe some people out there, you know, but most people are spending it with friends and family or whatever, and they're not going to put a podcast on in the background. No. Especially no. One about- UFOs and modern disclosure and aliens and stuff.
0: But some people, there's some freaks out there, and uh, we love you guys. We love the freaks, and we're here for you on Boxing Day, which of course is a thing in Canada. I don't think the states just just a day after Christmas down in America.
2: It's a big thing here. Yeah, it's a, it's like the whole town was shut down today. It was it was the same as Christmas Day. Like everything is closed. Nobody comes. Nobody like I don't think really people. Open up on Boxing Day and not Christmas Day here in Canada. Our town
0: was completely shut down uh, yesterday, but it was pretty open back up today.
2: Oh, really? Huh.
0: Yeah, yeah. Home hardware wasn't open. A few things weren't yeah. open, but for yeah. the most part, you know, Canadian tire and all that. Yeah,
2: was I guess open. some people just do like the one day. Yeah. So I got a synchro.
0: You got a synchro?
2: Christmas, Christmas synchro for you to rate.
0: Ooh, I don't have a Christmas. See, God damn, these Vegas cunts keep calling me. Should I answer now? No.
2: Sure, answer. Remember when I, oh my God, remember when I put the lady from the on the phone? Darren, who? It's not coming through. Chester, Marriott, Canada, right?
1: you're on the air. Go ahead.
0: Hi, on the air with who? You're on the air too. So,
1: Darren, Darren, <laughs> um, we're calling you on behalf of Hilton, Wyndham, Marriott, Caesars, and MGM. Wanted to know if we made it worth your while. Could you see yourself coming down to Las Vegas anytime with any friends or family in the next three years for some
2: Vegas, baby? Vegas, baby.
0: Like, uh, how worth my while? Like a free trip.
1: Well, it's not free. It's four hundred ninety nine dollars for four days and three nights. You can bring four adults. They throw in two hundred slot play, two hundred and dining, and if you are in Canada, when you check in, they give you a thousand dollar hotel and car rental credit. That's good dollar for dollar, and it doesn't expire. So it's to say thank you, Mister Grimes, for you or your family's past travel history. There's no time, sure. so either Caesar's an NPM. Your accommodation. All you
0: right, this the- is not as funny as I thought. It would have been better if it was like. Uh- like uh, a prank. No, uh, you know the scammers are better.
2: Is he is he there? Is he still there? Was uh, it a guy? Know, or was, was, know, it a, the, was, no, it was it a was it
0: a they call me every day, almost every day. Really?
2: Well, I was like the
0: scammers the, the scammers are better when they say they're like in Canada or
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But they I mean, get really
0: mad. the one guy he's like, Well, the attorney general will charge it. And I was like, Well, dude, I am this is crazy. I am the Eternal General internal, internal <laughs> attorney general and he's I like you no you're not fuck you fuck you <laughs> really
2: yeah, <It> was, yeah. <laughs> oh i hate those calls i get the ones about the visa all the time Your yeah, visa da, 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 da i'm like oh it's just brutal i can't believe they can't get rid of the robo calls yet but i mean that i was interested to hear what mgm had to offer there that was
0: not a bad price.
2: You could have said, "Are you trying to make up for the big hack?" Like, I don't want to go there and be hacked. I mean, your 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 hotels were hacked. And Is was that where the shooter was?
0: No, that was the other one, right?
2: That was Mandalay Bay.
0: That's not a bad price. The four of us could go to Vegas for a hundred bucks each. I
2: Plus, know. No, 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 it's four ninety-nine each. Oh, was it still, each? Still a pretty good deal.
0: And we get fifteen hundred bucks in hotel credit.
2: See, my mind was already working like, oh, we, was there a CAC around there? We could book it around the CAC. And, uh,
0: there is a cack. CAC CAC.
2: Contact at the cabin, that is.
0: There is a CAC. You can contact at the cabin.com. If you want to get tickets to the Eclipse, we got the big Eclipse Festival coming, of course, in April. April 6th to 9th on Utopia, Texas. Eclipse the Canyon. Total Eclipse of the Fart. Uh, come check it out. With us, the Snake Bros, Ben from Uncharted X, Dave Madison.
2: Luke Caverns.
0: Luke Caverns. And a bunch of... $50
2: Dynasty.
0: That's right. It's going to be a time. And uh, there just happens to be a total eclipse, which is going to be pretty balling on itself. BYOB and all sorts of stuff. You could drink. You could party. You could listen to tunes. You could do experiments. You could do whatever you want to do. Just don't do anything crazy or violent. Just don't hurt anybody or yourself. But uh, we're going to have a time... And of course, we have a few other events next year with the wonderful Randall Carlson and a few one of our own up down in Duck Creek Village, Utah. One of our favorite places. We're gonna try it out in the middle of summer down there with our buddy Dave Matheson, Brown and Powell. Check out the stars from Bryce Canyon. Contact at the dot com. Check it out, man. Oh, uh, next year's Canada trips on sale too. That was a big hit. So
2: yeah, yeah, that'll be great. That's up in the mountains and. Near Invermere, right? In BC, kind of like eastern BC, almost Alberta. Go from Calgary to there. Jump in the That's river. Fair. Jump in the river, the natural hot springs. It was dope. It was a dope yeah. trip. Yeah. So do you want to hear the synchronicity or
0: uh well I was gonna put yes, I do, but not just yet. I mean
2: I you know,
0: I'll be honest. I don't know which way to take it, because some of your synchros are pretty hurting, but I'm hoping this one will will not be that way. How do you know it's
2: mine? Oh, I don't know. Is it it yours? Yeah, it is. You can tell.
1: I want a good skull from a synchronicity. Brain reads it out, then Darama, give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it
2: low. Yeah, yeah. So I play this game with my family that uh, it's called Joker's Wilder. some people call it Marbles and Jokers or Jokers and Pegs. It's like it's a card game that you move your pegs around the board. You try to move them out of your it's almost like sorry. Do you remember I'm playing Sori as a kid? What?
0: What kind of board? Like, it comes with a board?
2: Peg board. No, you make it... Like, it's kind of like a, a camping... It's kind of like a camping game where, like, people just make their own versions. All you need is three decks of cards, 20 marbles, and five five marbles of four different colors, you know? And you move them out based on your cards, and you go around the board, and you knock each other out, and... Where do you, you get know, the board? You just make it. You just make it out of anything. The stone, there's, there's bacon, wood. Is
0: it just a circle, or...?
2: Well, though the point is, is that... So for Christmas, my family was saying, well, why don't we play like online? Like we can show you the board. And so I said, well, why don't I make one? So I went into the, one of the, the D and D programs that we used for playing online. And I made, I whipped up a virtual board and then we found a virtual card website that we can deal each other cards. And we played virtually this game. So I moved the pegs around the the virtual board and we did our virtual card game with the family. So I did that with my my mom and my sister and stuff. It was a blast on Christmas. That sounds wonderful. So. so I guess. I mean, so it's my, better
0: than not hanging out with them. But.
2: So my, yeah, exactly. So my, my sister's boyfriend's son comes in and and he says, uh,
1: there's a, there's, a, Ferro, there's a
2: Pharaoh, there's a Pharaoh Roche, uh, wrapper on the floor and it wasn't there when I left and my sister's getting all excited because she thinks the dog ate a feral rocher and if the dog her little tiny dog eats chocolate like he'll probably die right apparently like chocolate's not good for dogs
0: yeah but you know I don't yeah. know I've seen some dogs pound some chocolate and they're just fine
2: so anyways this is big you know thing what got our dog
0: finally was licking the garage floor a few times no yeah that's what fucking did it what dog? He didn't die, but he, you know, cost thousands of dollars to repair.
2: <laughs> the little dog?
0: Yeah, yeah, remember? He almost died back in the day, little taco. No, Ultimately, that was definitely from licking the garage floor.
2: Look oh my God. That licking. little
0: bastard ate some chocolate though, and he didn't die.
2: Like the blood. Some other dogs
0: do that, have crushed like a lot of chocolate. They were okay. The
2: I know they say
0: not to do it, it's not good, but here's the thing none of that shit we're eating is chocolate. Like, there's very little chocolate, actual chocolate in a Ferrero Rocher. You know, yeah, it's no all way. just like,
2: Cause that's what it's he like
0: said. fancy sugar.
2: That's what my, my sister's boyfriend said. He's like, maybe it's because it wasn't real chocolate.
0: <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, if you get drop some Baker's chocolate or something, then, you know. Maybe what, did your,
2: what did your little dog get sick on the blood? Like, leftover deer blood or something like well, that? We don't
0: know. He got into a lot of stuff. He was eating, like, where the brains were from a skull I cleaned out. But he was also, like, there was blood on the floor, and he was just, like, going for the garage door, and he just there, like, licking the floor. And what happened to him? Well, I think that's ultimately what got him, was the garage floor, like, there's fucking, there's a bunch of stains on it, from what, oil and gas.
2: What what, uh, what happened
0: to him? He got super sick, and he had to go to the vet. Remember, weren't you around for all this? You no, never told me about all that. I think you were around. I swear you were. I swear you were, like. Maybe not. So. No, no. We were at a CAC, I think, right?
2: What? I don't remember any of this. I feel like I'm in a dream right now. Were I don't we really at a CAC name.
0: or were we? Maybe, maybe we were well, Maybe
2: that's the one that I didn't go to. That's
0: no, we like, no, because like, Shauna didn't come to Montana. Did she come? No, she didn't come to Montana. That was me was and I. you that like, did she you come back. to Montana? No, no, no I no, stayed no, with no, the pros, no. So it wasn't then. It was before that. Well, I can't remember now. But But what did
2: they do do to him? Put him on antibiotics or something like that? A bunch
0: of stuff, steroids and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, he was actually in a little dog hospital for for several days. Wow. And then a bunch of medicine.
2: So. It was close.
0: I mean, if there was a time there, I was like, I don't know. Because he got out of the hospital and then went back in. You know what I might be thinking Miles might have been the one who was around for that.
2: Right, yeah, yeah. So wow. Well, anyway, so we, we were kind of trying to figure out if the dog had eaten it or whatever, right? It's just weird. This rapper showed up out of nowhere. So then today, no, sorry, yesterday. Say, no, no, it's still going on. So Christmas Day, we stop at Maria's friend's place, like just just on the way to her parents, like we just make a quick stop, like a quick Christmas Day stop, right? And she's telling us the story about how they found a whole bunch of rappers on the floor and their dog had eaten eight feral rochets. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is like this a, a feral rochet ad? <laughs> isn't that weird? I'm like, what? Another feral rochet dog story? Like, I don't even visit a lot of people or do a lot of things. I'm, you know, and, and everybody's having these instances with feral Rocher rappers and dogs.
0: I don't, I don't know. know.
2: This week, dude. But all right, mm. I'll entertain it. That's pretty weird. Pretty weird, isn't it? I mean, it's not very. I, it's not. At all. It's I, mean, pretty,
0: I mean, it's one of your more popular Christmas chocolate treats.
2: You I, know, I, I don't like them. I mean, out of all the chocolate treats, it's I, I would probably. I don't like. Dude, buying I don't really a lot like of them. air.
0: Here's my problem. You're buying a lot of air. It looks like a nice big chocolate bar, but it's just <laughs> yeah, like mostly yeah. air. <laughs> I think my favorite are the. Have you
2: tried the like Kinder chocolate bars? Uh, like or them. whatever. I don't like those either. They What's don't taste favorite? like real chocolate. They taste like European to me. Well, none
0: of them are real chocolate, man. None of them. Like if you had to like break down the actual cocoa percentage, it's probably like less than one, less than ten percent for sure. What's your favorite there? That fucking Mister I Just like you know, like a lot of gold or something. You know, just a lot like, of gold. <laughs> what the fuck is that? You mean like a whole? You want a whole box of chocolates?
2: I'm just what picking like. You've you've called me like the you said that it's the ones that the old people like. Like I like all the, the Oh like the the caramel the, like not the caramel necessarily, but the ones with the nougat and the stuff in them and the nougat. That's yeah. racist. A nouger. Um, you're a nougar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, you know what? What about the old like the the peppermint or the, the peppermint ones, like those little flat peppermint ones? Those are old people ones. My grandma always had those. They were like, I forget what they were
2: called. The after eights are good. The are after good. eights are good. That's think. what it is. Yeah. yeah. The after eights. But I don't know. <laughs> plain chocolate, to be honest with you. I don't like all this stuff in there. I just like, like, rosebuds. Just plain chocolate rosebuds. And they're probably not chocolate either. But No, no. Like, like just chocolate like, the- eggs. The awesome white dog was fine. He ate like eight, he pounded back, he left open because he was white and he's just a beautiful looking dog. (laughs) Like,
0: if he was black, he wouldn't be beautiful.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, he just happened to be, but he had a cone on his head because he has to stop licking his wounds or something. So, Um, you know, but just a super good dog. I mean, anyways, he was fine. He ate like eight himself and ate. Um, my mom and I both times.
0: You guys are a team. Yeah, that's nice. How come Maria didn't play?
2: Uh, she was in bed.
0: I. Uh, She's not doing very well. So. Right now, I, I wonder don't. how do you, I'd like to hear more about this game that you can play online. Can you just play any card game online? Then we could just play poker.
2: Yeah, you could. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's just like deck of cards. No,
0: one, there's no way to cheat.
2: No, no, you can't cheat. Yeah, that's the thing.
0: You all know, log into a table or something.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's pretty, as far as like you know, having like your parents play and stuff that maybe not aren't used to online stuff. It's pretty easy and intuitive. You just you just pick up a card, you play your card, you discard it, you pl- press the button, the play button, and then it goes to the next person. Super easy. Really good for yeah. like. You
0: know, you can pick like the number of cards you want to deal out, the number of decks you want to use. Exactly. You can play Go Fish.
2: Yeah, you could play whatever you want in a war. War. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple different, uh, different. This was the one that seemed to be the easiest to use for for whatever you want.
1: Hmm.
2: I'm intrigued by this, uh, weird game
0: that doesn't need a board or anything.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I can show it to you if you want me to. You know, I can not now, but it. you know, maybe oh, we
0: could teach you. It sounds cooler than Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, it involves oh God, cards I can read and it. like
2: I can read about this silly card game, and like D and D is the most complex, like interesting, creative game ever. And you, know, you just don't <laughs> and, and what you a you thing like, to say. <laughs> and you like sort of fantasy and sci fi too. So I mean, you would think that I like to read about
0: it. I don't like to pretend I'm in the book. Like, I'm, not not story. Story. I'm not just <laughs> like, man, I wish I was in this book right now doing stuff. <laughs> it's, it's just entertaining. We should mention that we're doing the Fandango.
2: We should, yeah.
0: Did we do it last year? I think we took a few years off, right?
2: Yeah. It was getting to be a bit of a shit show, it seems like. So what What are yeah. we
0: doing? Well, uh, I don't know yet, but we're going to connect with the Cruising from Steak Boys. And take some calls, I guess, or just shoot the shit with them. I mean, we haven't talked to them really in a long time, so there'll be plenty to catch up on, and chat about just with them. But it looks like we'll also like uh, field some calls in their Zoom room, or or however they do it. However they do, because I probably just be in their Zoom thing. If you want to get in, it you can call in. We give you the number because you can just call into Zoom, right?
2: Yeah, you can just call into Zoom. Yeah. So they're going to handle it. They're going to handle the infrastructure, and we'll just go in there and do that.
0: That's right. So we are, cool. our, our Christmas Fandango is back. But that's on January 1st, right? January 1st. Monday, January 1st. New Year's. New Year. holiday Fandango, I right. guess. Not the, Not the Christmas. Uh, it's never actually on Christmas. But we'll do it on January 1st, and we'll Fandango and call in if you want. It'll be, looks like we got it scheduled from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific. And uh 6 p.m. Is it no?
2: Five to seven Pacific will be eight to
0: eight to ten. I forget what fucking time now. Um I better check. I better check now that I'm talking about it. I better get the time right.
2: Yeah. In the meantime, I'm gonna talk about a new audiobook for Christmas. I mean, it's Rudolf Steiner's Christianity as mystical fact and the mysteries of antiquity. It's on our podcast and it's coming out in Audible as well, but it's on our podcast feed. It was written in 1902 as simultaneously mysticism and fact, Christianity is a breakthrough in the historical development of humanity for which the mysteries with the results that they brought about from a prior evolutionary stage, that's from Rudolf Steiner. So he talks about the mysteries and their wisdom, the Greek sages, Plato, the wisdom of the mysteries and the myth. The, wisdom, the Mystery Wisdom of Egypt, The Gospels, The Lazarus Miracle, The Apocalypse of St. John, Jesus, and His Historical Background, The Nature of Christianity, Christianity and Heathen Wisdom, and St. Augustine and the Church. That so book is great. actually free this month on the I Don't Brain audiobook podcast. There wow. you go. And which what other ones? M- m- malleus Maleficarum as well?
0: Malleus Maleficarum. And uh, hammer- the World's dich- world is... And the the hammer of the witches and the world. I thought oh, that would couple up nice.
2: I like how you did the world's that.
0: earliest vampire chronicles. Kind like of like you're gonna
2: taste some fiction, fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons stuff with some witches and some vampires. So they, well, I learned not, at
0: some of our meetups that I got to be easy on what I say about these Dungeons and Dragons because I don't. I am ostracizing a very very large percentage of the audience. Like I don't know if it's fifty percent, but it's approaching fifty percent. That's awesome. At, at least at least. 30 or 40% wow. of the audience are fond of Dungeons and
2: Dragons. It's it unbelievable. Like. Holy shit. Yeah, we had pretty good feedback of our of our episode with RPG Pundit. That was on Grimerica Outlaw, and he was talking about the woke Dungeons and Dragons and the Wizards of the Coast problems and, and how they're injecting all this stuff to ruin the hero's journey. Actually, I was on uh Charlie Robinson's TNT Radio talking about it a little bit as well. Same with the... The stuff that's happening in Canada with the healthcare system as well. So anyways, Malleus Maleficarum is, the, uh, is usually translated as the hammer of witches and is the best known treatise on witchcraft. Well, I would probably argue that, but it was written by the German Catholic clergyman Heinrich Kramer and was first published in the city of Spire in 1486. So this is the Catholics, uh, basically like the witch hunting manual in a way, pretty crazy. It's a long book and it's for free on our, on our podcast, um, talks about, uh, it has been described as the compendium of literature and demonology of the 15th century. And it goes through a whole bunch of questions on how they're supposed to deal with finding out who's a witch and who's not and all. And it's very, in some ways, it kind of reminds me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> like, scenes from that movie kept coming to my mind when I was reading it. And then the other one is um, like 20 vampire books all together. Like old, old 1700s, 1800 vampire books. Like some really good, and these are all on audio. There's some really good like sort of old romantic vampire type stuff. Like the typical sort of romance stuff. And then some pretty creepy ones. Good variety of vampire chronicles. So thanks. Those are the free ones this month.
0: Those are the free ones. Check out adultbrain.ca or search adultbrain audiobooks. In your favorite podcast player, and it should show right up. If it doesn't, let us know. Those books are totally free this month. You don't have to pay nothing. Of course, you can pay if you want to get all 110 books all the time. But uh, every month, we switch those up. And those are the ones that are free right now. So get them. Drop while it's hot. Get it. Adultbrand.ca. Uh, grammaricaca slash support if you want to support the show. If you like this show, I think this is episode 635 or 636. So if you like it, if you've got some value from all those shows, send some value back our way. I mean, we we put a lot of time and effort and money into producing and and distributing the podcast. If you find that valuable, if it adds to your commute, to your workout, to your day job, whatever the fuck you're doing when you're listening, head over to grimerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for monthly or make a one-time donation or whatever you think, whatever it's worth to you, you decide. So, value for value, like that. You decide what the show is worth to you. If it's worth nothing, then I guess whatever. Cool. Uh, if it's worth more than nothing, let us know. America.ca support. You decide. You pick your own monthly or your own one time donation. We'll take a buck. If y'all gave us a buck, uh, we have a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> so, I'll leave it at that. America.ca slash support. Of course, we talked about contact at the camera and we talked about the audiobooks. What else you got? You just wanted to, we might as well just get into the bio. It is still the holidays We're working on the holidays.
2: I just, I uh, shut it down by mistake. I got to find it again here. Well, who are they? Who are they book? Who, who they are. Book.com is their website. And um, I found it here. So Leslie Shaw, um, she's, she's been a lifelong science fiction fan. Very re- Very well read in that genre. Um, she's had a keen interest in ufology, spent many years of reading and research in that field. She's written news articles, poetry, and now has completed their first book, Who They Are and What They're Up To, in which she expounds on the theories about UFOs and beings who are flying them. She and her husband, Stephen, now reside in California. Um, Stephen uh, wrote the content for a website that's detailing methods using homeopathy and Chinese medicine as adjacent treatments for cancer. His family has a long, multi generational history of strange, otherworldly phenomena, and there's more about that if you if you read the preface of the book. Um, yeah, he was a state licensed practitioner of Chinese medicine and acupuncture for 20 years, and a teacher of the Yang and Chen styles of Tai Chi Tuan Chuan for 23 years. So, yeah, pretty fast. It was actually fascinating chat, and interesting. Yeah, good one. Absolutely.
0: Encourage you guys to enjoy it and uh, let us know what you think, Spam Graham. Other uh, than that, we hope you had a Merry Christmas. We hope you have a better New Year. We'll see you on New Year's Day for the Fandango. Um, if that's something you want to be a part of, you know, join the chats, watch the social media, Spam Graham, any of those things, and we will let you know how, where, and when to be a part of it. But it'll be, you know, on our YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. So wherever you're watching the show, you'll be able to catch it. If you don't watch the show live now, you know you're missing out but you can figure it out on our youtube channel uh i guess we'd be live on rumble uh rockfin that's about it Uh, facebook twitter x x all right that's it guys enjoy the chat uh this is a good one with um the shahs
2: Leslie and Stephen Shaw, thanks for joining us in great America. Welcome. How are you doing?
3: Thank you for having me. Very well. Thank you.
2: Good, good. Yeah, it was great timing. Thanks for coming on short notice. Of, you know, uh, we got in contact and usually, you know, I'm booking about a month in advance, but we had an opening this week. So thank you for uh, the short notice. And, you know, I did have a chance to peruse your book. It was really, I do have a sort of a bit of a personal synchronicity. I mean, it's probably not, Darren's going to just laugh. It's It's nothing. But I was talking to friends and family on my way to Darren's and I was, thinking about trying to get you guys on a real short notice here about your book. And I didn't really look into exactly what your book was about, but we were talking about how this ancient history, this lost ancient history and UFOs is all connected, right? It's not necessarily about ETs, but there's a deeper connection there. And then I started reading your book and it was like sort of answering all the questions that, uh, that I was talking to my friends and family about. So,
3: Yeah, we're very we're very science driven and um we don't jump down rabbit holes. So we're we're pretty, <laughs> you know pretty sanguine in that way.
4: Well at least yeah. we think so. We don't you know our theories don't require wormholes or portholes or interstellar travel.
3: Necessarily.
2: That's a good point, yeah.
0: Yeah. Is it pretty nuts and bolts? Then is that pretty safe to say? It's like I guess that's the term I've heard thrown around: "nuts and bolts."
3: Well, we're just taking from what we've been able to, you know, garner from things that have been written, everything from the uh, from the Bible to the Mahabharata to to Chinese texts to our own experiences, and just also, you know, just using logic and just, you know. Uh, and studying the t- instead of just jumping down, like all of a sudden it's got to be an Einstein-Rosen bridge and they have to have all this technology. And it's like, no, no, that, that that's not I mean what it states in the Bible. So it's just we're just like looking at it from the standpoint, because I, I was very much into science because I was a doctor for 20 years. So I look at things very much from a logical and, you know, uh, you know, horses not zebra standpoint.
4: Our theories uh, began to evolve once we realized that UFO fact and UFO theories were not aligning. Uh, you know, these theory, The theories were that there's coming from interstellar, vast interstellar di- distances, but um, our research shows that these things are making an appearance about 100,000 times per year. So are they coming here a hundred thousand times a year from Alpha Centauri or wherever, you know, or do they live here as we surmise that they're already here in, um, in bases, under underground bases,
3: massive cities.
2: So before we get into that, that uh, like, you know, sort of your, your overall theory, what, mm-hmm. why did you decide to write a book like this? Like actually, cause a lot of people kind of write as if like, they, they don't want to, say what's going on you know they're just like here's all the stuff we don't really have a theory you know but you guys decided right. to put it out there and say like it's more about this and i'm sure you're not it's not dogmatic about that but but that what made come one out- thing
4: to do different was to actually come with to conclusions to we, sift the data and 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 come to conclusions uh you know that that people could uh, you know relate we, to we
3: really had two motivating factors of one of them was Leslie having seen two UFOs herself because she had, she'd always kind of, you know, 95% believe me about certain things that I had said. And then also to, to try and help to explain all the things that have been happening in in my life throughout and my, my three generations of my family that were just quite unexplainable. So there were two motivating factors. So about 20 some odd years ago, we started, you know, more seriously, you know, before the smartphones and kind of thing like that we started really kind of looking into it and trying to sift through and trying to make some sense so part of us was trying to make sense for ourselves to explain and just just to learn
4: right i mean he had seen three ufos before um and then we've seen two together after that and uh my first was in 2005 and I did believe my husband. I did believe his what his alien abduction stories and his 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 UFO sightings. I just didn't believe it nine a hundred percent. I believed it 95%. And then there, there's there's that day where you see your own and now it's a hundred percent. What did you see? Uh we were traveling uh west on the Highway 62 in Joshua Tree, California. And uh, in front of us, a a bright white light started to get brighter and brighter and brighter. And I thought it was, first it was a plane maybe coming into uh, Palm Springs Airport. But the closer it got, I realized there's no, there were no extra lights like planes have, you know, extra blinking lights on the sides. And it just was a white light getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And then it shot away north over the northern horizon and gone. In about a quarter of a second, it had to have been moving at multiple thousands of miles at per hour. Maybe. And it it took off at a, at speed. It didn't slowly ramp up to speed. It was instantaneously going at that at that incredible speed. And uh, the the second one we saw together was similar. It was a white light, but it it was uh, doing. Very bizarre maneuvers, making you know, U not U turns, like our, our planes have to slowly bank and make a slow U-turn. These were making V turns at speed. And um hovering, stopping, hovering, definitely things are our, our aircraft. Soundless can't and do. we and,
3: and there is another couple that also and saw it. Always this. silent. Yes, there's another couple also too on the street where we lived that also saw it too at the same
4: time. Yeah. So,
3: <laughs> so four, so four people saw that particular event
4: but that's then so we, see, i'm that's, sorry.
2: Where, that's one of the things that sticks out for me is the silence because you know people like to say oh it's a you know a b2 or it's a stealth thing or like they're so they're so loud compared Incredibly to the, loud. <laughs> so did the first one did it was it
0: like did it kind of look like a star like it could have been the space station or something until it took off because yeah, that's kind of right like, light like, light
4: the, the- Around white light getting brighter and brighter, which of course white lights in the sky can be any number of things, and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have slapped the label of UFO on it just looking at it. But at then I mean, thought, it took off at yeah, that speed. At first, we and, thought it was an
3: airplane coming into Palm Springs yeah. Airport, but it certainly was not that. It was we just uh, assumed right away that it wasn't was an airplane. But it uh, anyway. So that that was the two that, that Leslie saw with with me. Uh, the first one that I saw was when I was about. Ten years old, it was one of those classic uh, orange, large globes that was just hovering and moving from north to south. Uh, it was a nighttime, probably about nine o'clock at night, and I, I actually called griffiths Park Observatory about that particular incident the, the day after, and I talked to the astronomer, and he said, "Well, you know, sir, we you know." You know young man we don't ha- we don't have our uh our telescopes aimed that way so we wouldn't know anything about it nothing was reported but it was it's like you, you've heard probably be people reporting the uh the orange globes that just are very distinct and the second one i saw was with another person who was a valet at the um at a restaurant called the chart house in malibu california i was it was the winter time, I know it was because it was uh, the uh, playoffs between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. And I went out to get my, my car and this right on the beach. Right. So I went to get my car and we both saw this this white object rise up out of the out of the ocean. And then it started doing its crazy maneuvers. And we both looked at each other and said, did you see that? <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. And the other one was uh, one that was a multiple sighting that was. Early morning, it was it was it was uh, like eight o'clock in the morning and a a number of people saw a silver object that was hovering in the sky uh, in Yucca Valley. It was reported to the radio station. That must have been about uh, 2006, maybe. Um,
4: And then there's the abduction problem, you know, phenomenon with his family. It seems to have targeted his family, particularly he and his brother, especially. Uh, his brother remembered seeing a gray alien in his room before he blacked out. And uh, another time he, he heard a sound on the floor. He was in the bed and he heard a sound on the floor thinking it was a cat and he reached down to pet the cat. Instead, something grabbed his arm and then he blacked out again and steve i let steve tell his his story so. um,
3: my brother also had one too Th- these all happened about when he was about 16 he had one where he was awakened by two bright lights outside of his outside of his uh, his bedroom window and granted uh, this is the house that my my dad and i and my brother all built I mean, with our with our hands and and where we were living there was there were no houses around there was no airplanes it was just
4: Kind of rarely, he just stirred aside, like, yeah.
3: covering there, and again he blacked out. But for myself, my first uh, experiences with weird or unusual happened when I was three. I would fairly commonly be awakened in again the middle of the night, early morning hours, by this invisible being that would be jumping playfully on my stomach and my chest,
4: invisible and
3: invisible, and it was it was was not you know malicious or you know, anything like that. It was just like having fun and i just kind of accepted it as being something that was just normal i i had i had heard about the family spirit guy called O'Glegley that had been showing manifesting um uh, itself to multiple generations of the Shaw and the roe family mostly the roe family um by the way, it seems like it's the Roe side of the family that it's has the, my, my mom, made, my mom's yeah. maiden name. And funnily enough, you look up the name Roe; it means the uh, it, it translates as the tall red haired ones, <laughs> which is kind of very interesting. <laughs> so, um, in, in and of itself, but then I, I fast forward to about again about to the age of nine and i was sleeping in a bunk bed at that time in my life my my brother was on the bottom I was on the top and i heard these unusual sounds in that i heard coming from the living room so i got out of the bunk bed and i started walking on the hallway and i my heart was pounding i was like really unusually nervous about i didn't know what i was going to see and i just get toward like turning towards to the right to go into the living room, and I black out. And then next thing I know, about two or three hours later, I'm back in my bunk bed having no clue what had happened, but I'm back in my bunk bed. And my brother, my younger brother, who's now deceased, um, he spent a couple years at least sleeping in the closet because he told me he was scared of, quote, the little men that would come in the middle of the night and visit him. So um, I just again, we're just kids. So I just was thinking that, you know, whatever, you know, just for kids. So anyway, the really strangest thing that happened to me, which happened in uh, 1979, January of 1979, I was 18 years old and a number of things that happened. But one of the ones that happened was that I had gotten literally scared to sleep in my in my room because i had been being harassed and my dad had been being harassed and and other things were happening so anyways i was sleeping on the couch in the living room and i was sleeping you know face up and i woke up about like six o'clock five thirty six o'clock in the morning it was still dark and i looked at my piano because i'm a um, i'm a pianist and i was thinking about what i was going to play and i listened to the little fountain that was in the, in the distant room and i was thinking well i'm not going to get up this too early and Then from behind me, from the front door, this entity came, uh, a blue-white, tall blue-white entity, probably six to seven feet tall, and it was standing, but it literally kind of hovered or floated. It didn't walk, but it moved very quickly. In about two seconds, it was by my right side, and it literally paralyzed me, not in a not in a terrifying way, but just basically the right side of my body, the whole right side of my body, I could not move. And I felt it bend down and whisper in my ear, hi, Steve. <laughs> you know, just like a friendly whisper, I couldn't tell whether it was male or female. And I was thinking, oh, great, I get to see the family spirit, spirit guide, old Glegley. But by the same by the same token, I also couldn't move. So I was both really excited, but I was, you know, it was the unknown. So I was scared. And then eventually it, I felt it, you know, uh, you know, go back and then basically go out the front door to this day. I can't remember to this day if, if I went and told my dad about what had happened or whether I just had that missing time. It's just like that part is gone. What I do know, though, is six hours later, it was around 1130 and I was going to go get some lunch for my dad and myself. And I I decided to reach because I was a cabinet maker. My dad and I was uh, were cabinet makers and we were working out of our house. So I, I reached into my right hand side pocket to pull out some change. And all the coins, all the coins and all the nails, especially the coins, they were all magnetic. Or I could pick up the coins with the coins. It didn't matter which coin I tried. I could pick up the coins. And they were all just sticking to each other. They were it, magnetized. It, they are all magnetized. Which is supposed to
4: be impossible. Which
3: is supposed to be impossible. And I, I've, I've been trying since that time to try and get an explanation like what could do that? What force could do that? But I can, I can say that it happened. And I had witness. And there have been, you know, this it's been a, it doesn't matter where I live. I've I've had very unusual things happen in at least six yes. different homes in which I've lived. So it's not a haunting.
4: It's Yeah. It's not like a haunting. It tends haunting. to follow the family wherever mm-hmm. they go. And yes, yeah, exactly.
3: Where did you see that red, the orange orb? Uh, that was in, uh, uh, that was in Woodland Hills, California. California. Okay. we had Woodland. a guy
2: on like many years ago. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh Terry Ray. He, he wrote a book about the orange orbs called the invasion of the orange orbs. And, for some reason like the, the UFO community this was probably like 2015 2014 they just seemed to kind of ignore it. I mean, I thought it was a great book cuz he had he had plotted all the data from orange only orange orbs and or red orbs. Sounds interesting. Titan, yeah. And they were all around well, not all of them, but the majority of them were around 9 or 10 at night. So that matches kind of Stevens thing. Yeah, and exactly. He tra- and he tracked them from three different locations in the US. So one was Catalina Island in California.
4: Oh well, that's very close to where we are.
2: Yeah, that's why I I I wondered if it was California that you saw that. Yeah, and then
4: yes,
3: yeah, Woodland Hills is only about a 25 minute drive from Woodland Hills to the uh, to Malibu. Yeah, go uh, go across to Panga Canyon, so it's it's very it's very close.
4: And we can see Catalina just across the uh, channel, Right.
2: right?
3: So I mean. And then there was
4: another,
2: I can't remember where the, there was one in Florida, I think, and somewhere up on the East coast. Maybe I can't remember what the third one was, but uh, pretty interesting, interesting book. And I mean, I hear that also that there's sort of a cloak, it's a cloaking device. Like it's just a cover for whatever's flying around there.
4: I kind of think of these orbs as remote viewing machines, Hmm. like they're spy machines, so to speak. That's they're too small for, uh, they've been, they've been uh, the, 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 the Red Ripper squadron on the East coast who filmed the uh, go fast videos and the gimbal videos. Uh, they got a really close look at one of these orbs. It's about 15 foot diameter and they're clear. It's almost like clear glass and they'll have, they have inside of them, a, a, a cube. it looks like a metal or a black cube yeah. spinning inside of it. And I think that these orbs are, our surveillance devices at 15, at 15 di- feet di- diameter, it wouldn't be large enough to accommodate a, uh, a pilot.
3: Oh, well, a small crew maybe. Yeah.
4: Really aliens really
3: <laughs> like
0: uh, the same ones that are controlling the Bigfoots when they're rolling around, yeah. you know, when you mentioned seeing that light that took off to the North, it reminded me of my sighting, which I think was probably in 2010. If I had to guess it was either 2010 or 2009 but i want to say it was summer 2010 probably but mine was it was clearly moving uh east to west so i thought it was like me and my buddies thought it was the space station or a satellite we were pointing out we were watching oh look there's a, a satellite or something because it was work moving in a very linear east to west sort of trajectory and then uh, about halfway or two thirds of the way across the horizon, it, it took off to the north. It was very clearly to the north, and it was that same sort of thing where there wasn't really any acceleration or anything. It was just like, boom, and it was, it was gone. And it happened so fast that you didn't know really know what the fuck happened, but there, you know, but there was some sort of like imprint of like the flash, the flashback, like when you close your eyes after the lights been on of of the north, you could see like the streaker of it. Clearly going to the north, so that's. that's you said, did you see
4: the same thing? Like uh, it streaks out in a long line, and then the back of the line catches up with it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like oh, it's you know. gone, and then it was, but it happened so fast, and we. Yeah. I mean, we were we were admittedly we were smoking a joint, so it was me and my buddy and his brother, and we were that's what we were outside doing. We were, out, but it was just it because we were all just like, "Whoa, did you see that?" <laughs> yeah. And then we just sort of went on with our lives, and and you know didn't think didn't think much of it ever again. You know, I just assumed there's something, oh, I must've been this or must've been that. I really wasn't into it at the time. I just didn't, you know, now I'm doing a podcast about it. I probably, if it happened now, I'd be a lot more, a lot more yeah. interested in it. I just kind of took it in passing. It was, you know, something that I couldn't explain. And, but, you know, I didn't really think of it a lot until you just mentioned your sighting then there. Cause it was, it was, it was a lot like that. And it very clearly went to the North.
4: Where where was it the in the in the U.S.
0: Uh, we we're just uh, just outside of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So that'd okay. be like yeah, straight north to like uh, oh, like Phoenix, maybe Great Falls, Montana, Vegas. We're like straight north of Vegas, pretty much.
4: I was wondering, uh the uh, supposedly there's a ley line going that goes through Joshua Tree, and it seemed to us that this thing may have been traveling along it it's
3: near where the giant rock and integratron is if you're familiar with those (laughs) yeah things george van tassel and the integratron and uh, giant rock which was which used to be the largest standing boulder in the world
4: it seemed to me like it was just slowly creeping up on being at the ley line but once it was there (laughs) gone out of the world (laughs) 10,000 miles an hour? We, we I wouldn't met, be surprised we, if we, it was that we fast. We met
3: people. We did Bigfoot days this uh, past summer up in Willow Creek. Yeah. And we, then we went to Andersonville and met some people. And, uh, you know, you just meet people in, in passing. And a, a couple different uh, people talked about green orbs. Green that orbs they, up there, yeah. That they, that they had seen. It's, it's, it's always like just before dawn. And going to work like a four or five o'clock in the morning and the green orbs is going along like maybe 20 30 feet above above the ground and then just uh, you know small again like right. like almost like almost like a uh, like like a, like a drone almost kind of like but also not behaving like a drone
4: so I started sifting millions of sightings just you know reading and reading and reading MUFON uh, sightings and uh, databases and lists and I keep hearing, that ufos are spotted coming out of the ocean they're spotted coming out of lakes they're spotted coming out of volcanoes they're spotted coming out of holes that open in the side of mesas and mountains
3: like mount shasta
4: they travel sideways in our airspace it's it's like they're here just traveling around the earth when they need to when they have to go from one place to another they
3: and that also led us down to uh, the explanation we have for the
4: cattle mutilations too. Oh yes, the the um the cattle mutilations we have a theory for it. We believe that these creatures are um, they're essentially related to humans. They're cousins of ours that we believe separated from our race roughly thirteen thousand years ago, and when they when, they, uh, when we separated from them, the um, some of them kept their technology and the thread of their knowledge, and some of us did not. And I believe that we're dealing with cousins, close cousins. When I see a gray alien, this thing is much closer to the human race than our closest relative, the bonobo chimp. This thing is much closer to us. I, I feel like I'm looking in a mirror uh, when I'm, you know, and the Nordics are supposed to be indistinguishable from human beings, so I see these as cousins more than aliens.
2: From from before the younger dryas or after afterwards. Well, I guess I before guess the before, younger before. Drys, before.
4: Yes. the younger dryas. Yes, um, these that, that when the split
2: happened, when that big cataclysm happened. Then, so some, some that's what we removed. believe. Yes. yes, and
3: that's that's why there was, was forewarning uh, of the We we've uh, tracked about twelve hundred different myths and legends from all from every corner of the planet that talk about a disembodied voice. And they're
4: all remarkably similar. Yeah. yeah a, a disembodied forwarding. voice says, you know, either build an ark or go to high ground. People were warned all over the planet and, uh, and some survived. But what I think happened was uh, they saw it coming. They sank some arcs under deep underground, took their technology with them and their knowledge and then left us poor schmucks on the surface to just get wiped out almost. Uh, supposedly our population uh, has at one point had a bottleneck of down to about 10,000 individuals. And the rest of us are, um, have, have been born from, th- that our population has regenerated from those 10,000 individuals. And that's why our race is not anywhere near as diverse as it really should be
3: not as telepathic, not as diverse, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, absolutely. And what we also right. found with our research is just how common uh, asteroids and meteorites hit the hit the earth it's the ones that we found so far right. it's not an uncommon thing to happen so if you have an advanced technology an advanced civilization that is tired of losing their technology and you can actually see something going to happen but you can't do anything really about it just
4: stay safely underground you know, all you got to <laughs> do is go underground in
3: fact the chinese have been doing that for over a thousand years right. they have whole cities that that are you know you know, underground. Uh, we found Kuyu in the southern part of Turkey. Uh, that's like 13 stories down. That was built, you know, sometime again, uh, you know, pre, pre-flood.
4: Right. We believe pre-flood. The, uh, the Hiawatha asteroid impact, um, for, for two decades, we've known that it, it happened. And because they found diamonds in the soil of the Ucello horizon and the Younger Dryas boundary. These are the soil layers of that from that time period.
3: 13,000 years
4: ago. Um, it shows a layer of charcoal like the whole planet was al- almost was on fire at the same time. All the forests were on fire at the same time. Especially
3: the northern hemisphere.
4: Especially the northern hemisphere. It's in like four continents on 10 countries. This 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 tr- layer of charcoal has been discovered in 13,000 year old soil. And so we, we knew that somehow there was a celestial impact of some kind, but they couldn't find the crater. And uh, because the nanodiamonds were found in high concentration in uh, the East North American continent, it was surmised that the crater was hiding somewhere under the ice sheet. And that's exactly where it was. The, uh, in 2016, it was discovered and uh, it's, it's the high, under the Hiawatha Glacier of northern Greenland. And um, the impact would have created thousand-foot tsunamis worldwide, and we believe is the source for the great, the great flood myths. And we believe and these people of, uh, dug underground and are in, or uh, were safe in arcs below. And then the climate change uh, fluctuations after the impact were lasted about a thousand years, so we think they just decided to stay because it was miserable on the surface.
0: You mentioned a split. Any evidence of, like, uh, because it seems like we had, if we knew it was coming, there was some sort of high tech going around. Any evidence of anyone parting off to the moon?
4: Well, actually, there. It, it, I think there are some um, some evidence that there's uh, lunar bases and also bases on Mars. See, you know, Homo sapiens sapiens, us, We've been in existence for 120,000 years minimum. We know that at least 120,000 years. Some people surmise much longer. Uh, But mainstream archaeology would have you believe that we sat around for 107,000 years making no advancements, living in caves, picking fleas off our butts, and freezing our nips off for for 107,000 years until we finally 13,000 years ago just decided to get smarter and get some gumption and build a, ho- invent the house.
3: <laughs> invent the wheel, invent the house, yeah. invent electricity or discover electricity. yeah.
4: And 107,000 years, that's enough time for us to go uh, from, you know, uh, the caves to the moon seven times. And we believe that, uh, we had a more advanced technology civilization prior to the flood. We, we
3: certainly knew how to manipulate rock. That's for sure. We and, knew how to manipulate rock.
4: And we had lunar bases and bases on Mars. Sure. we're After just 13,000 years for us from from being shoved back into the uh, the Stone Age, 13,000 years is all it took to get us back to being a space-faring you know, species now we, again. Now we have Elon Musk.
2: <laughs> do you think it's a cyclical thing like it do you think it happens every twelve thirteen thousand years type
4: i think well it's certainly possible that um they were destroyed at some point in that hundred and seven year time period and right. and got shoved back into the stone age themselves and had to build back out of it um we don't we don't know for sure there there was an asteroid impact about five thousand years ago and that you know, could have affected, I mean, I'm sorry, 50,000 years ago. And that could have affected uh, the development of the human race at that point, too. Uh, you know,
3: <laughs> well, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of unusual things about the, the human species. Our, our fascination with gold is one of them.
4: Yeah. Oh, and that's that's a good reason why the why the uh, the cattle are m- being mutilated. They went underground. They took herds with them. And these herds have become non-viable living underground. What do they take? They take the genetic material and the tongue and the eye, the, the they, sky-facing eye.
3: They exsanguinate, so they take and, all the blood, and the blood They're taking genetic material and it's it's not just a science project, it's it's necessity. And uh, we
4: think that's why they're taking humans, is they need the genetic material for their their breeding programs.
2: What what do you mean by genetic material then? Like sperm and like actual
3: sperm, Egg. ovum, eggs, uh, blood course you know like I said you know oh, things such as that and, and sometimes they'll take they'll take actually people and maybe not return them um
4: yeah we i think that's happening too
3: there's so, like, there's that's kind of know. the missing 411
4: aspect well there's in, in alaska for instance where there is a lot of ufo activity and we believe at least two underground bases uh mount hayes and also the black pyramid at denali uh People there sometimes disappear, and they're not. There's 16,000 people have gone missing in the last 30 years in Alaska. We think sometimes they, of course, sometimes they're eaten by a bear or lost or whatever. But we think sometimes they're just taken and not put back.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that what it makes me think of is that this you're talking about a breakaway civilization since like from from let's say let's say pre Younger Dryas Cataclysm. And yeah. does that young does that breakaway civilization, is that the same one we're seeing now? Like, are they now p- sort of popping out and controlling our sort of disclosure and our aerial, um, you know, because they had the airships in the 1800s and there was all this kind of, you know, even ufology itself, modern ufology is kind of ob- obfuscated, you know, there's there's all the the stuff about the old airships being charged by you know by buildings and those seemed to be like a technology that was being used maybe in certain parts of the world but now we're back like they kind of wiped the slate clean in the early 1900s maybe world war 1 sort of tied the tied the bow on that and then and then now it feels like there's a you know a group running the show in the background
4: and they're, they're hiding they, in are, in mountains hollowed the out mountains
3: there, There's, you know, I, I think also part of it, too, was, of course, the, the famous um, um, uh, 1938 War of the Worlds that really kind of showed at least people in the United States just how xenophobic we really are. And even though it was told that this is a this is actually show, it's not true. This this you know about aliens in, invading and, and such like that. We we really are are very fearful of, of things that are different. Uh, and also too, I've I've noticed that the disclosure as far as you know saying that for instance, these people have been living underground that are basically our cousins that are more advanced than we are. And they've been living under there for underground for maybe 10,000 years or so and whatnot. People don't feel comfortable knowing that number one, the human beings are not number one on the planet. Number two, you have a more advanced version of yourself that's living under your floorboards. It's just it's a very unsettling thing and it, it, it would crash it, it would it would upset it would uh, it would upset the the, the, the you know the uh, religion it would upset the stock markets it <laughs> would upset you know uh, you know international markets it, it would it would be something that you know we made a deal pretty much with eisenhower you know eisenhower made a deal base, that we've been able to find out so far as i've yes, said yes we think you they know,
4: discovered the existence of these creatures because They're not creatures, they're our cousins. uh, Yeah, cousins. (laughs) Because uh, when we started using nuclear weapons, it very much alarmed them. And you could see it in their behavior afterwards. They started uh, monitoring all of our nuclear bases, all of our nuclear uh, silos. They would have UFOs monitoring them. Um, And from what we're understanding from the recent disclosures uh, that happened in the congressional hearing, during this this last summer the the pilots talked about how these these uh, tic-tac objects these these spheres they are dogging our military every time we go out every maneuvers everywhere in the world they are watching
3: in fact Fravor said about only about five percent are reported because of the the, the uh, you know the suppression and the fear and the, you know
4: and the pilots are afraid to report.
3: Yes, yeah, so it's it's a much more common than than people than, than than has been reported.
4: but they're worried, of course, they're very worried for their fellow pilots, and that uh, the navigational hazard these things are cause are, are uh, can be. the uh, the the red Rippers reported one of these spheres flying between two of their their uh, jets, and only about fifty feet away, the the, pet, the jets were only a hundred feet from each other, and this sphere went right in between them at at, at a very high speed. And uh, ever since then, uh, the the pilots, the Red Rippers, have been quite concerned about their fellow pilots, whether they're going to, you know, finally crash into one of these things or not.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the disclosure, the uh, the impact it would have. I I think it it would impact the most the scientific community and the academia. I mean, I don't. I think they're the ones that aren't ready to accept a lot of this stuff because <laughs> for, sure, for sure, that's
4: for sure indeed.
2: Consciousness. Oh, you guys have a chapter. Forgot you have a chapter in your book about that too. Yeah, the the consciousness aspect is what they're still talking about in this, even in this modern disclosure, which is interesting. You're seeing on X post all the time, people are talking about. That it's related to our consciousness, so so how does that how does that fit into your theory that that we have some kind of like control or we can actually summon things or you know even from an occult
3: or magical point of view as well? I'm glad you asked that because uh, for 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 me, when all these interesting things were happening back when I was eighteen, I was what today you consider to be a very chaste and pure soul. I hadn't done anything sexually. I was studying Tai Chi and I was, I was a long distance runner and I was in, you know, very spiritual, very, very, very spiritual. I was, I was reading the uh, Paramahansa Yogananda stuff. And I was very much, you know, very much that way. And I do some of the most uh, uh, amazing experiences that have happened to me have been because Um, As an example, I I studied Tai Chi and taught it for 23 years and also studied monkey kung fu and taught that a little bit. But one of the things I talk about is the chi energy and how to generate it and how to manifest it. And literally, chi energy is real. I've been hit by chi energy. I've been knocked on my butt by chi energy from like about six feet away. And I've also knocked people over myself, too. I've had uh, the most amazing experiences. I do think that these entities are they're uh psychic, they are telepathic. I think they do are they are attracted to people to people that are more maybe higher vibrational. And, and psychic. I see a psychic
4: component in, yes. in this. In, in my, my family well. on the
3: road the roadside side, there was that the automatic writing was happening for two generations back. Um I come from England and Scotland, my my heritage, and also Germany. So there, there was that, that stuff, it, it was, we just known in our, in our bloodline and we just, uh, we just kind of accepted it. Just when, that there's normal for us.
4: When we were studying um, at one point together, we started studying Kundalini raising techniques, chanting, uh, meditation. And we began to start opening up some of these abilities that are latent in the human being, but really are part of our birthright. And one of these abilities, I believe, is telepathy. This is a human birthright that is something all you have to do is, is awaken these abilities inside yourself. And one of the things we think has happened is that this these people who have separated from us and didn't lose their technology and didn't lose their knowledge, they have continued to advance spiritually as oh, well no, no. and this is why they're capable of telepathy with us and i i don't think you could have telepathy between a, uh two creatures that were not necessarily the same species and, and,
3: and <laughs> astral projection i've been doing that, that I, the first time i astral projected consciously was when i was 17 mm-hmm. and i just actually astral projected about Four nights ago, yeah,
4: I got out of my
3: body. I was sleeping in the bed, and I I got out of my body, and I went to go open the door uh, to to go out because Leslie was in the it was sleeping in the living room. I went to go open the door. I got out of my body, and I couldn't open the door because he didn't said, bring his
4: hand with him. <laughs> no, I had my
3: hand, but it was it was my. It was your astral And so hand. then I went back over to my body, and I looked at myself. And am I dead? As you know, I saw I got back into my body. I mean, these, these things are still happening to me. It's 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 something that, you know, you hear about people doing remote remote viewing and things like that. A few people are able to do that, you know, legitimately. And the the and a few people can do psychic things and, and definitely astral projection is, is something that I've had for most of my life. And it's it's a very real thing. It's kind of fun too.
2: Well, where would you go if you had a choice to pick a place and you were aware enough to stay in that? In that out of body state for a while, where would you where would you take yourself? I mean I mean I'm
4: I was I'm always maybe, attracted maybe, to maybe scuba walk. diving cuz I'm afraid to scuba dive in real life, right? You know, sharks, drowning, you know, things like that. Let,
3: Let's say you went to the pyramids a couple of times. Oh,
4: and ago. I went to Egypt one time. When you're out of your body, uh you can just command where you want to go in your your astral body. Yeah, the, the trick down.
3: the trick is to not to not try and move your arms or legs. You just use mental <laughs> commands. Yeah. You well,
4: just, at first, uh, yes. after you do it for a while, you start to begin to feel the difference between the astral body and the physical body and you can start moving the astral body. But at first, um, what you try and do is move, and then your physical body moves, and you just slam right back into your body. It takes a while before you get get the hang of it. Um, We started doing this work, and it it was enjoyable, and we were gaining more abilities. And Steve was becoming more and more psychic. He was already very psychic to start with. But then we began hearing into the astral realm just in the waking state. Um, They call it Clara Audience. And I found it to be very disturbing i would hear something somebody speaking right behind me and i would turn and there'd be nobody there and that's that sort of creeped us out and um certainly creeped me out and i i stopped doing the practices i stopped i stopped uh you know doing the chanting and the meditation and slowly the abilities i had gained sort of faded away but these are abilities inside the human it's, it's like I say, it's our part birthright. of our human
3: birthright. Yes, yeah. And, you know, I, I still have things happening to me. As an example, about three nights ago, I, I got into bed and I was starting to go to sleep and I hadn't gone to sleep. And I felt as if somebody had gotten into the bed. It felt exactly like somebody got into bed next to me. And it wasn't a cat because we don't have any, any animals. And I said, <laughs> I said, OK, what do you want? I I I knew something (laughs) was there, right? So anyway, so I'm just so used to this stuff. So (laughs) anyway, so woke about five o'clock in the morning, and I was I was going to get up and you know go 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 out and get some coffee, and it's always on the right side of my body for some reason. There's this voice, a very very clear voice, said, "Husband," right in my ear. I said, "Leslie never calls me husband." It wasn't me. It's very clear. It's like husband. I said, you know, again, like I said, these things have happened to me so frequently. Like many times, I hundreds of times I've had where I'm starting to go to sleep and I'll get three distinct knocks behind my head on the wall. Just like boom, boom, boom. Always in the set of three. I've had that many times. Uh, well, hundreds of times.
4: And just a couple of months ago, he, he wakened to find a being in his room, mm-hmm. uh, a, a large black being with yellow eyes.
3: Yep. And I said, what do you want of me? I've been trying to get answers because I decided <laughs> I'm deciding now to try and confront these things instead of trying, like, you know, turn my back on them. I said, I, I want to know what what are you trying to, you know, what is your reason for being here? You know, why, why are you harassing me? You know, it's 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 unnerving. It's it's caused me many, many sleepless nights. I can tell you that. What did it say? It didn't say anything that I can recall. It just was just looking but standing there and staring at him another time it was like it put its put its finger on my head right on my forehead like at where the third eye is and And put pressure on it right it's yeah it's 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 strange um just to say the least i can tell you that the most fantastic experience i've had which I, i i know that these teachings like the zen teachings are absolutely real because when i was 22 I was up at the Sonora house in Sonora, California, that my parents and I had built. And I was always, I of course, I was really heavily into Tai Chi. And I was uh, reading Paramahansa's autobiography of a yogi. And I decided to, it was the day after Christmas, and I decided to do one of his Christmas meditations. And I was sleeping on my back on the floor at that time in my life. So I, around 1130 at night, I did the Christmas meditation and I went to sleep woke up about 4:45 I know it was because I saw the VCR clock said 4:45 and for whatever reason because I'm not a particularly religious person I thought about God's love and I had this feeling that it was as if I felt the felt God's love in my head but I thought God's love in my heart and I felt like this line come together and meet in my third eye chakra. And from like about a billion miles away, this inverted pyramid of blue-white light, like an inverted pyramid, it hit me right in my third eye in a split second. And I was encased in this cocoon of blue-white energy. And in that nanosecond, I understood why the Tibetans and why the different monks and the Swamis, why they, they, they sit for eight to 10 hours a day, in a lotus position, with smiles on their faces, because they're channeling this type of energy. And it, I came across it just by having one single thought that was that was a thought about love, and it was it was it was miraculous. Didn't
4: was, you see that exact thing on a, a drawing later? Yes, again? yes.
3: It was about three months later. I was working with my dad, and I was uh, thumbing through a Psychology Today magazine, looking at some of the ads in the back, and. And I came across this this article, and it showed this man laying on his back on a stone tablet, with this inverted pyramid of multicolored um, layers of energy hitting him in the third eye and encasing him in a cocoon of energy. It says, and it said, you can uh, achieve enlightenment via the Rosicrucians. Oh, I didn't exactly so when it happened, to him.
2: <laughs> that's so Weird. I can't. That before you said that, I thought about the Rosicrucians because. We just met somebody who who joined recently, and he was uh, talking about the first couple levels of stuff. Like his life has just completely changed. He's practiced a lot of these meditations, like sort of a daily a daily thing, a daily ritual sort of meditation, and apparently it's uh, it's been very very powerful for him.
3: I like your cat,
4: <laughs> <laughs> kitty kitty.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, they, they 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 truly are. Like chi energy is real um that what the zen talk about having one pure thought uh, things also they talk about like to truly understand a grain of sand is to grasp the universe Uh, a single grain of sand is every single element that's on the periodic table apart from the ones that we've manufactured so it, it is it is a lot of these teachings are they have a lot of truth to them and and again a lot of it has to do with kind of like how pure you are And what you're doing with your life. Tai Chi is definitely one of the things I would recommend for people to um, to help to number one, to calm down, you know, uh, let's say obsessive compulsive disorder and and just to keep you in good shape. Do you have any do you have any videos or like um,
2: lectures you could recommend for Tai Chi? Like any uh, instructions?
3: Well, I put out a series of Tai Chi tapes back in the mid eighties <laughs> and there are, there are many, there are many different, um, well, there are,
4: well. You like poly Zink's work. I yeah. Well, poly,
3: poly Zink, that was my monk, my monkey, my monkey Kung Fu um, master teacher. But uh, as far as Tai Chi, you can get some of the older stuff by uh, Chen Men or um, um, Marshall Ho. There, there are, there are some good ones. I mean, you, You know, you want to go for. There's two schools of thought. There's the short form, and then there's the long form. So the long form is 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 really better. The 108, it's called the 108 movements. The 21 is just you really don't get the full the full benefit of Tai Chi. So it's funny
4: that number 108 comes up so often in numerology. (laughs) It's funny it's in Tai Chi too.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
4: So
2: so um, I guess I'd like to circle back to sort of your, your main theory. The inner Earth, like you think that that these things are, are doing this, they're they're making contact not necessarily for curiosity, but for um, for that need, harvesting a
4: product we think.
2: Necessity. they, yeah. they, they the need. Is it I, is it connected? Are they going underground? And are they in all these different continents? Is it all connected? It's not like one big. I don't think you guys think it's one big inner Earth with an inner Sun. No. Do they no we're not. We definitely don't
4: blo- uh, uh, attribute that theory, but we there are. They're huge underground hollowed-out caverns that are temperature-controlled, lit, you know, able to grow crops um, with the uh, thermal power. You know the uh, uh, geothermal geothermal water, power. Yes. Thank, mm-hmm. thank you. And uh, we do believe there was more than one arc sunk in uh, all over the world. We think there's there's some in Russia. We think there's some in
3: uh, Australia. We know
4: there's two in in Alaska. Uh, I think there's one under Skinwalker Ranch. I think that's that what's causing well, the it's, phenomena it's there. <laughs> it's a, it's
3: at least a base or an outpost or something, something like, like that. We. We're not really completely, you know, settled on what that that is.
4: Well, I'm I'm pretty settled. I I saw um supposedly the Archuleta Mesa in um that Dulce, New Mexico, uh the local uh Hawia people, I think there is how you pronounce it. They are seeing um a like a duck blind open up on the side of the mesa. All this bright white light spills out of it, and then they see UFOs flying in and out of this this open door in the side of the mesa. And this has been reported many times. But I one time one of the videos I saw of Skinwalker Ranch showed exactly that. The entire um ridge above the above the ranch lit up bright white light like somebody had opened a, a a door with a bunch of white light spilling out of it and then we saw these white uh ufos zip in and out of that uh that scene and then the door just shut and the light went
3: back out people people have reported similar things of uh, mount shasta
4: yeah it's a whole opening in the side of mount shasta yes and light and UFOs, like yeah, the the, <laughs> the, uh, the
3: indigenous people have been—they call them the star, their star, uh, the, the star people or their star yeah. brothers—and yeah. it's it's not unusual for them at all. So it's
4: and yeah, you, know, really- you were mentioning Lemuria earlier, um, as you know, the Lemurians were supposed to be living in the uh, continent of Mu, which is a low. Uh, it's it's uh, in the Pacific Ocean. It was a continent in the Pacific Ocean that's now all underwater, except for some of the island groups that are poking up out of the out of the Pacific Ocean. The Hiawatha asteroid impact would certainly have. Uh, I mean, it did destroy that continent, and anyone who lived there, were were just had to move if they wanted to live, and uh, we believe that they may have actually installed themselves in Mount Shasta. It's a it's the perfect place to to hide out from a a cataclysm. Uh, the mountain is at high elevations, you don't have to worry about flooding that way. It's also riddled with lava tubes inside of it, which uh, would be make it easy to to uh, hollow out cavernous areas and for an underground city.
2: Yeah, the, reading that chapter in your book really made me think that. Maybe that's the cause of all these anomalous areas, like people call them portals and all that. But maybe that's just a function of like it being a, a base or an arc or an underground city that's causing them weird magnetic anomaly.
4: I think I think portals are not really happening. I could be wrong, of course. But one thing we do know they can do is they can cancel matter out long enough to open a hole in a mountain and pass through it. And people have described um, how a a hole will open in their wall or in their ceiling and they're taken that way. They have the ability to a certain extent, cancel matter and pass through it. And that would appear to be a portal.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I meant is not necessarily that it's a real portal, but something connected with you know, something underground that, that is not man-made, you know, it's not natural. It's a, that arc, the arc type thing you were talking about. I mean, yeah. ball lightning travels through matter. I mean, ball lightning can travel through walls and stuff. I mean, that's pretty
3: much and then, that's been documented you know? too, even going yeah. back to like
4: 1787
3: or so. And
0: neutrinos. <laughs> yeah. Darren, do you have any uh, questions I at all? some
2: stuff went through the
0: walls like during tornadoes and stuff too. Yeah,
2: that's, that's what I was. It, I think that's related to the ball lightning, and thus gets stuck like half in a wall. And I don't know if that's because of ball lightning or the tornado itself. But yeah, right. So how how does that happen? Trivial. Where
4: they don't just disintegrate when it hits yeah. the tree at that speed? How yeah. does it actually embed three feet into a tree? It's yeah. it's it's wild. Yeah.
2: So really, somebody's just harnessing that that nature's nature's ability there.
4: And if you were to add, you know, we've only been uh, out of the caves for. 13,000 years or so. But if you were to add uh, 100,000 years to our abilities, what would we be like then? Yeah. And that's what we think these people were like before the flood. We think they lived all over the planet. They were building pyramid cities all over the planet, all almost exactly alike
3: (laughs) the megalithic structures too especially Ballbeck. you know they are 880 tons just said the try the trilithon the trilithon stones are ridiculous without without crane marks or without you know it's just lifting it 20 feet you know from it's like it's ridiculous the the the, also too because i i used when i was in the navy i was a cb for six years and i've been to places like midway i actually did a tour duty on midway island which is was, was really kind of cool back in 1981. And we did a lot of concrete pouring and we've, we've done a lot of concrete and cement pouring because we also are stained glass artists too, kind of, we were at least. And when I look at the, uh, the blocks at Pumapunku, um, the way that they were cut, they don't look like they were cut to me at all. They're so uniform. They look just like a concrete block, an advanced concrete block that was poured that you got that triple layer bevel, and then it's just they, they're just so uniform. You can't just find material like hundreds and hundreds of blocks that is just exactly the same. It looks like it was melted, and it was formed. And I yeah. think those blocks were actually formed, and they weren't
4: cut. They certainly were not made by the Bronze Age tool That's wielding right. Inca people that they're attributed to. That's insane.
3: It's at 12500 12, <laughs> foot elevation. It's way above the tree line
4: and though yes. the big the big orange uh, red x uh, h blocks at pumapungu are a type of sandstone um, a lot of the other rock there is uh, andesite and andesite is a 7 on the mohs scale and granite is uh, between 6 and 7 on the mohs scale so andesite is as hard as the hardest granite and it, these these um, megalithic stones of 200 tons are supposed to have been cut by people with bronze tools,
3: it makes, it makes, <laughs> it's no, common, it makes no common sense. You can hit,
4: you can take a bronze tool and smack it on andesite all day long, and it's just going to ruin the tool. And then you got to figure out what's
3: the motivation for doing it. And, you know, why?
4: Right, why? It, it, it had to be easy.
3: <laughs> the, the answer is that they basically, they set up, they set up a, uh, they set up a camp. And they said, okay, these are the tools we need. We're going to melt this rock. We're going to you know, liquefy it. and We're going to put in these molds and we're going to make either a landing pad or something out of it. But the, I almost can guarantee you that these things were not cut. They were actually poured.
4: Well, so the, that's, the, that's certainly the, possible.
2: But what do you think about those polygonal ones that really fit together and they're not uniform? They're all different shapes and they're kind of like some of them have five sides, four sides. They kind of yeah. fit all together.
4: The, the, the walls, especially of Saksuaman, um yeah. are that. Uh, yeah, 200-ton andesite blocks that are polygonal and uh, no two alike and fit together so tightly that you can't slip a piece of paper in between no
3: them. no more than necessary but the the, right, the, no the, beauty, more to... the beauty of that is that when you when you do those poly poly uh polygonal shapes and you basically distribute the stress so if you have a if you have a, a, a an earthquake it'll it'll That's act good. as just one one unit actually right. it will act as even better than one unit because when you when you melt or you basically fuse together then you're distributing it, a, it, a, it you're distributing the stress across literally thousands of stress points instead of just having one big rock one big rock can't distribute the stress like uh like like they did at sucks like, like a seven-sided you polygon sucks yeah. Saksu wasn't built as you can probably tell it wasn't built as a fortress or something to to keep out marauders it was literally built as we've been able to find, is probably like a uh, a sleuthing it, station for for gold.
4: We think it might have been a, a massive mining operation for gold, woman because the walls, they're only on one side of the of the hill, so they're yeah. obviously not for defense.
2: You think there? Do you think there's some measurement or some way that they're um that they're they're using some information to figure out how to to put all these. That seemingly random blocks together, like for this, the stress point reduction that you're talking about. Like, do you think there's something that they're are they matching it to nature's frequency or something like that? Do you think, or is there some the meaning it, behind it? Or
3: are they just it, making it, one thing that we do know is that you know granite and andesite do have a high uh, high amount of quartz which has the piezoelectrical effect. So it is a conductor. So just like the, the, the big, uh, Negroid heads that have been found in, um,
4: they were the Olmecs. The Olmecs. Remember they made these, these giant African face heads, uh, some are, uh, 50 tons. One of the biggest ones, 50 tons. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they've they, been actually found that the face part actually has, um, like electromagnetic signatures to it like they something wouldn't have been able to know back Hi, then. high supposedly.
3: piezoelectrical effect yes yeah, so they're yes they definitely had a knowledge of definitely how to manipulate and use stone and they definitely knew the uh the magnetic uh the res- resistor and the conducting effect right. of different uh, minerals and different uh, stones for sure i think that they had a they had a plan as far as making yeah. the best best use of it that that we, we have no idea really how how old those uh Sak-su-Iman is right. it could be it could be a hundred
2: thousand years old but guess what it has no cracks in it yeah exactly that's kind of yeah that's kind of what i was getting at so before we before we run out of time i wanted to ask you guys about the modern ufo disclosure it seems like there's a lot of arguing over non-human intelligences and and whether it's ets or not i mean there's a lot of uh a lot of different (laughs) theories and a lot of different distractions i guess um especially considering your your theory what what do you think about what's going on
4: well uh When Luis Elizondo of ATIP released the three big videos to the New York Times in 2017, that was a a sort of a turning point for the disclosure of the government's policies. Before that, they just were stonewalling us completely. This isn't happening. It's swamp gas. It's mass hysteria. This isn't real. You're all crazy.
3: Misidentification.
4: Uh, (laughs) But then Luis Elizondo released those videos and, um, to all of our stunned, shocked amazement, the government, the DOD released a statement saying these are real. They're not a fake phenomenon. And they released the entire video, whereas Luis Elizondo only released snippets of it. And they released it with a statement saying, like I said, these are real. They're not. College. We, we don't
3: know what they are, but right. they're real. So.
4: But they're pretending like they don't know what it is. Oh, but we don't know what they are, but they are real. This is a real phenomenon, you know. There, There
3: is some, uh, along, along those same lines, of, there are some really wild theories out there, even from a person I won't name, but you would know her name in UFO circles. Uh, we call, Leslie calls them what what we want to hear about isms.
4: Yeah, but there's a lot of talk right now about how... Um, the the tall white aliens come from the Pleiades and the, the blue ones come from uh, the Alpha blue Centauri ones. and all this. See, we think that this is a smokescreen that they're putting up because they want us to keep looking up rather than looking down.
3: Yes, there's this whole, whole thing. They that like supposed, to play space aliens. Suppo- you know? Supposedly, we have for the past 20 years, since 2003, we've been hitching rides on four different starships and we visited with the tall white aliens and the nordics 26 different star systems and
4: they were part of a federation and we're part of a federation and we're part of it too and we and get to guess, go along and, for the ride and guess what i <laughs>
3: guess what two of the ships two of the ships uh two of the starships are happened that just happened to be named after two of the original members of majestic 12. So these aliens that are so much more advanced than we are from
4: Alpha Centauri from, from, have some, for some reason, named their ships after two majestic twelve uh, individuals.
3: It's it's just it's just like we we always love to think that you know yeah. you know Captain Picard is out there and and you know <laughs> Captain Kirk and things like that, but it's just it's just ludicrous, you know. It's Nobody
4: would of, like it more than than I to be true. Nobody would like it more than I, but it, to me, it smacks of what we want to hear isms. You know what I mean?
2: It's
4: yeah. yeah, that is what we want to hear. We want to know. We want to be part of a of a federation. federation and 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 zip around the galaxy with them. That would be just so awesome. So
2: that might be a little easier for everybody to handle than oh, by the way, there's like a, a you know a, a civilization that broke away from you many many thousands of years ago and's been living right. underground and uh, watching you for for this long and they're right. still there.
4: And one thing about these people—they're quite different than we are. We believe, for one thing, we think that they use genetic modification, uh, just like another tool. Like we—we we have, you know, uh, qualms about using genetic manipulation to change our ourselves or. Some some of us have qualms. We're we're changing it. We are changing that view slowly, but with CRISPR. But a lot of us have have qualms on the on that front.
3: Some do, yeah. But
4: we think these these um these people living underground do not. When they need um, that's why we think there's multiple types of them. Like say they need, uh, let's say they need a bunch of underwater work done. They'll simply produce a a bunch of worker reptilians, say who can who can breathe underwater and that's it was just another tool to them
2: yeah darren do you got any last minute questions uh darren before we let him go
0: everything's frozen can you hear me
2: yeah we can hear you but yeah you're frozen oh
4: that's better he just
2: bounced so i don't know what's going on with this internet there so
4: (laughs) i thought he was very still (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) yeah I wish he could, like, freeze in a in a more awake uh, picture, you know? <laughs> he's on Elon's uh, satellite, uh, and it's uh, it seems to Star be... Starlink. <laughs> <and then>, so. <laughs> there he is. He's
4: back. back. Is
0: any- so you also mentioned that it seemed like those things would be good to withstand an earthquake. So do you think it might be it was, yes. like, straight up to they some shit was going down, we gotta make some shit to try and hide in, or to stand up through whatever's coming down
3: well if, if you can make something that will last pretty much you know tens or not, not hundreds of thousands of years and is easy to do why why have to build it twice i mean you know our scars our, our skyscrapers for instance you know the average life of today's concrete the average life I'm not talking about the what the what the romans used because they used they used uh they didn't use a better version they had a better version, yeah. a better <laughs> version but so there's their stuff held up. But our our current concrete uh, only lasts at the maximum 200 years at the very maximum. So, you know, we we build with like almost like planned obsolescence where they right. they built they built to last. And it was easy for them. Obviously, it was easy.
4: And uh, if you look at our book, you'll you'll read about Carlotto's work, who essentially is is. Uh... Using the cardinal points on some of the the structures to determine that they are now the cardinal points point to where the poles used to be 12,000 years ago, rather than are now, um, indicating that some of these sites Teotihuacan, for instance, is actually more than 12,000 years old. At least the base of the this the the uh, layout of the pyramid structures were all done 12,000 years ago. Whether the current buildings on those structures are are yeah. the same as they were 12 ago.
3: i wanted to add one more thing too because i i'm kind of an amateur geologist and one thing that you learn when you study geology is that with magma when magma cools the uh ferrites and the the, the magnetic or the the iron particles they right. will naturally will they will align to where the magnetic pole is at that particular time right. so you can you can tell uh, when you when you collate that with different structures like you know, you know baalbek and you know the great pyramids and whatever you you co you uh, you you collate that with when the, the the lava was laid down you can see that they're pointing to the magnetic north
4: where the poles where were the poles were at fifty thousand years ago or a hundred thousand years, years ago. ago Baalbek and um, Jerusalem this the, the T- Temple Mount their, their uh, cardinal points aligned to where the poles were in the Bering Sea, I think. It was at the Bering Sea Five 50, over 50,000 years, 50, years ago. Yes. So those foundations are possibly 50,000 years old. Mm. Uh, we, we're just uh, I, I like what Graham Norton says about it. He calls it uh,
3: we're, "we're
4: we're a race of with amnesia. We yeah. don't know where we came oh, Graham, from." Graham Hancock. Yeah,
2: Graham I'm Hancock. sorry,
4: Graham oh, oh, Hancock. Graham, Graham Hancock. I'm sorry, I got the, my Graham's no, confused. No, I, <laughs> no. I like his talk show, Graham Norton. But sorry yeah. about that.
2: No, no, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> well, we, we had a we had a guy on who was in part of a European team that was doing the analysis on all the ancient structures and where they point to and. I think they looked at five different pole shifts. It seemed like they all located at five different points. Yes. Yeah. Yes, roughly. Roughly. Yeah, Darren, do you got any last any comments or anything? Or?
0: No, this has been great. Where can people find your stuff? Where can they?
4: Oh where yes, get um, the book, the book where again. Can
0: they you? Social media.
4: Yeah the the book again is called Who They Are and What They're Up To, by Leslie and Stephen Shaw. And we're on Instagram at leslie.shaw.author. And uh, also, that's our Facebook handle as well.
3: And the book is available on Amazon and uh, Ingram. And it's in different formats, such as Kindle and uh, ebook, also.
4: Yes. And, and uh, a paperback.
3: Paperback, of course.
4: The, uh, the sky. Right there. <laughs> You're on. Yeah, that's great.
2: Yeah, I recommend it. It's cool. I like how you, you put it all together. Good. Thank you so much for having us. This has been really fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Thank you, Darren.
0: Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Stephen. You guys have a wonderful night. And uh, you got it. Come back anytime. All right.
4: When we write the second book, we'll, uh, we'll yeah, let you.
0: Yeah, know. for sure. We'll is- <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah.
4: Thanks,
0: guys. Cheers. Cheers. And that was a chat with Leslie and Stephen Shaw. What'd you think, buddy? Yeah, it was good. What'd you think? Yeah, I liked it. I think uh Grimstack is a bitch.
2: Well, but, I kind of uh, figured that you kind of figured it would be good for you because you're not really into the whole ET thing. Like I think you're more into the inner earth and uh, you know I mean, what? Well, you inner earth and, and the into the I'm into the inner earth. Physical stuff. You know, you're into the physical. the nuts and bolts and the like it, you would prefer them the whole phenomena being here than from some galactic federation, wouldn't you?
0: Are you a nut or a bolt?
3: (laughs) Um, Are you metro?
0: You're a metro, so you could just do either. (laughs) He's a nut and a bolt. I uh, I like the idea that it's just you know I could get into people from the moon. I could get into, I guess, people from the inner Earth. I know the inner Earth's kind of fucked up, though, right? But they're just living inside the Earth with no sun.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. Um, that's what I was going to ask is how, how do how do they, I mean, they must have to, that's, I think that's why a lot of the inner earth books in the, in the late 1800s, a lot of these fiction books had an inner sun, right? I mean, the inner earth was supposed to have their, its own sort of sun. So how would you get all that vitamin D? You know, you, you, you wouldn't have uh you wouldn't have a natural way to do it. That's a supplement on blood or something. Maybe that's why they need all the blood from uh-huh. us. Us humans that are still in um, the Garden of Eden.
0: What?
2: Some people think... You're going to be a Christian soon, huh? Some people think the Garden of Eden is above... Yeah. Is, is the, the What's above ground, right? It's like all of us are above ground. That's actually the Garden of Eden.
0: Yes, right now?
2: Yeah, everything. Is, is it like winter now. in the Garden of Eden? Yeah.
0: It's winter. It's a wintry garden. Anyway... Big thanks to Leslie and Steve for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks. If you're one of the, if you choose to support the Magnum Opus over here, our Magnum Opus at least, and uh help us get by, help us start the new year with a couple new subscribers. How about that? Is that too much to ask? Merry Christmas, sent the Grimerica away. Merry Christmas motherfuckers. It's like a buck a month, two bucks a month, maybe just send us a 10 or 20 and uh help us start the new year with, uh, you know, a little Christmas bonus, don't you think we earned it? What do you think? And if you're not signed up, already, maybe just sign up. Sign up for a monthly, make a one-time donation. If you are signed up, send us maybe a little Christmas pat on the back. Here's ten bucks for sticking it out. And uh, either way, we love you guys, I and mean, we hope you have a great Christmas. And uh, I think that's all. Is it? Is it? That's is it? Is all I got. Yeah, that's it. I think yeah. this is. I think this is our last. No, we got to record again before Christmas. This is it. Oh, outlaws. One think, more outlaws. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One no, more outlaw. No, I think this is it Before until Christmas. We'll, yes. we'll have yeah, to
0: record Christmas. an outlawed intro. But yeah, yes, this is yes. the last recording. So also the last live show. Gramerica.ca slash support, guys. That's the URL. If you're getting some value from this little show that we've been doing for 10 and a half years and you want to send a buck a year. How about a buck a year, bitches? A buck a year. I challenge you to send us a buck a year. If you haven't sent us anything before, send us a dollar for each year, $10.50. Just busting your balls. But seriously, I love you guys. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will
1: see you next week. No longer anxious with time. No longer in my prime. A sliver of wisdom, a taste of ambrosia. Perfectly fine in my skin, even on a rainy day. Unraveling holograms, sifting through beach sand. You see a flash in the pan. A metal detector A fool and his Folly Snug as a bug In a rug In my humble abode Perfectly fine In my skin Even on a rainy day As time Drags Your computer Causing a time rift, then your body goes stiff. Building up and building up and building up and breaking down and building up and building up and building up and breaking down and building up and building up and building up and breaking through. Look a shoot. A lucky streak from afar Yes, you're down on your luck and life is hard No worry, I'll be your bodyguard Building up and building up and building up Breaking down and building up and building up